Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Helen. Hi, I'm Helen, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And, um, thank you for asking me to come and speak, and welcome to the newcomers, lots of newcomers. I came in January, too, the last time. And, um, and welcome, uh, congratulations to all the takers, and I think her name is Cheryl, and you said everything that, you know, needs to be say, said. I thought, she said it all, so I don't need to get up there and speak. But anyway, everybody, I'll pass my pictures around. Everybody um, are related to all your shares, so thank you so much. And um, so I have been coming to OA. I first came to Overeaters Anonymous back in, uh, like, I think it was 79 or 80. Um, I didn't stay. I stayed for a little while. I thought, I, do I have to spend the rest of my life with going to these meetings with these people? And I never really worked the program. And um, I, my, I had a copy of the big book. To me, it was, I never cracked it. Well, I did. And I read, started reading, and it was like a, um, an old textbook to me. That's what it felt like, those old textbooks, you know, school books. And when I read War Fever Ran High in the New England Town, I thought, what does that have to do with me and that I can't stop eating? So I, you know, like I said, I came to meetings for a while. I did for about, um, for about a year and a half, two years, and I didn't do anything. I did lose like about 20 pounds. I was over 200, but, and I didn't eat sugar for about a year and a half, which was a miracle, because I am a full-on sugar addict, full-on sugar addict. Um, But, of course, I wasn't doing anything, wasn't working the program, wasn't telling anybody my food. I would be going to meetings uh, once in a while, and that was it. So, of course, I had to eat again, because life without my solution was too much, and food is the solution for me. So anyway, um, but this last time I came January 18th, so um, in 1997, and um, so I'm maintaining about a 100-pound weight loss through the grace of God. Um, so I'm really grateful for this program. I love, I love this program, and um, I go to other 12-step programs too. When I came to OA, I thought I was, it was just the food. And people talk about other addictions, and I thought, I don't have any other addictions. And they'd say, well, more will be revealed. I remember. <laughs> so now I go to four different 12-step programs. So more was revealed. But anyway, so, so let me just talk about what it was like first, which is um, from my earliest memory, I was a compulsive overeater. Um, my earliest memory, I've really thought about this, was around the age of five in kindergarten, being obsessed with 
the sugar because I grew up in the 50s. You know, I was a little in kindergarten. I was in the 50s, and I had so your mother would give you. Probably nobody can relate to this, but a nickel for milk, and then a different mother would br- would bring a treat every day. And I really can still remember this, that one of the mothers, the only thing I didn't like was coconut. And she brought those, can you say specific foods here or no? Um, those hostess snowballs, pink ones. And I can remember being devastated. <laughs> now, that's not a normal five-year-old child. That's a five-year-old child who is a compulsive overeater who already, uh, sugar is her solution to life. That was it. Well, how I got that way, I have no idea. It doesn't matter how I got that way. Um, that's what I got in this program. I didn't have to figure it out to be able to stop. And um, the other thing I just want to share real quick while it's going through my mind because things come and go fast. But um, um, is I always thought, you know, because I've worked the steps count I don't know how many times between the four programs and this program in 20 years. I mean, I, I can't say how many times I've worked the steps. And I always thought I had that educational variety of a spiritual awakening because I didn't feel like a lightning bolt hit me. And my sponsor told me, you know what? We all have that immediate spiritual awakening, just like Bill had. One day, you couldn't stop eating, and the next day, you could. And he said, that is an immediate spiritual awakening, just like that bolt of lightning. And it, and it is, and I'm really grateful for that. But anyway, so back to kindergarten. So um, so that was it. My, um, uh, my, the two things, memories from my childhood, were the obsession with the food, specifically with the sugar um, and McDonald's hamburgers, but the sugar, total sugar addict and, um, and fear. I was, all, I was afraid of everything. People, I was always afraid we were going to lose my sister. I don't know why. She was older than me. But, I mean, I was just in fear. I was afraid of people, places, and things. So everything scared me. Um, so... But I was, I am a complete sugar addict, as they say, and um, I was always trying to figure out how to get sugar, how to get more, always measuring how much somebody else had and, you know, being mad and, and obsessing about it and obsessing about why somebody else got more than me, you know, all that sick stuff. So that was my childhood. And it just continued, it continued. When I'd go to the movies, I'd, you know, I would buy the candy at the beginning and then eat it before the movie started, and I wanted to go home. I was like, I didn't even care about the movie. I just was there for the candy, you know. So it was like, okay, I ate the candy, I'm bored. I want to go home. And that's what it was. So, um... And then at around the age of 14, I started um, drinking, too. So that helped take the edge off further. So um, so anyway, but I um, never felt comfortable in my own skin. Um, I compare myself always to other girls, and I was always found, you know, wanting. 
Um, they seem so comfortable, some of those girls, in their own skin. In junior high, can you imagine junior high? Um, I was really a mess. And these girls were so comfortable in their own skin, and I wasn't. And I'd look at them and think, how did they get that way? And what's wrong with me? Like, why aren't I like that? I didn't understand, but I wasn't. So anyway, um, so that's just, you know, I was a mess in, in uh, junior high and high school. And um, so um, then my father died when I, like um, three months before I graduated from high school. So I was this young girl um, eating, but I wasn't fat. And I think that's because um, I was growing, I was tall, and um, my, my, you know, my parents still somewhat controlled how, what I was eating, you know, and all that. And, um, but I can remember, and uh, my friends would be amazed because I would just eat so much. And I was very tall and skinny. And the boys would call me bird legs because I was so skinny. It was horrible. And I would get bullied a lot because I was, I guess, I think because I'm tall and I was very skinny. So I was the easy target. So anyway, um, so then what? Where was I? So, okay, so then, um, and I was eating, like I say, um, even though I was skinny, I was eating all the time. I had no shame about what I ate because I was skinny. And I can remember, I remember this thought. I must have been about 14, 13, 14, something around that age, thinking I was never going to be able to stop eating like this. I remember that thought, and I thought, someday I'm going to be fat, and it scared me. I was, like, terrified, but I couldn't stop. But, um, and so, anyway, so I was using, like I say, food and alcohol to um, get through life, and so I had no idea what I was going to do. I just was looking, and my father died, and I wanted somebody, I started having anxiety attacks, I was a mess. So my solution to that was to get married at 19 to an older man who's going to take care of me, I thought. So um, this poor man, so we get married, we're very sick people because I'm sure not going to attract, you know, Mr. Well-Adjusted because I was a very sick young girl. So we get married, and his he had this incredible aversion to any degree of body fat, right? And here he marries this budding, you know, compulsive overeater. Little, little does he know. So I went, I wasn't overweight, but I, and I went to the doctor right before I got married. And I thought I had to lose weight because I have still have no concept of body image. I have a real hard time with that. And so... Um, so I just thought, something's wrong. I'm, I'll go on a diet before I get married. So the doctor tried to tell me, but you're not overweight. And I just thought, he's just being nice. I, you know, I couldn't hear it. But yet, my future husband, who was telling me I was fat, I could hear that because he was reflecting, you know, what I thought about myself, what I felt about myself, that something was wrong. So he thought something was wrong, good, so we're all on the same page. So anyway, so I went on my first diet. It was that women's uh, 
I don't know what it was. I still want, I still think I should find out what that was they injected in me. It was those shots, women, um, pregnant women, something from pregnant women. And it was shots, and it was expensive, and you ate 500 calories a day. And so um, I lost about 20 pounds. I got really sick, of course, and then I went off it and maintained that weight for I always say an afternoon because because it's true, right? We go on a diet. I don't know about you. Go on a diet and start eating the way I used to eat. And my insanity told me that I was going to keep that weight off, you know, even though I'm going back to. So there was no, there was a complete disconnect. I was just really crazy. So anyway, um, so that's what I did. Then that started the cycle that cycle of um, binging, going on a diet, and then losing some weight, and then gaining it all back, and then, um, you know, gaining it all back, and then um, going on the next diet. By the time I was in my 30s, I couldn't go on diets anymore because um, what I would do is think, I'm going to go on a diet, and then... Um, I would have to have my last binge, though, right? And then I never got to the diet, and I gained 10 pounds. So I was petrified to go on a diet because I knew the only thing it was going to result in was me gaining 10 more pounds. So I gave up dieting for a while. And so I was in this terrible marriage for... um, 24 years. Um, I could tell you some stories, but I won't. But, you know, and it wasn't, it, he, he was no sicker than I was. We were both just a mess. So, anyway, um, finally, so I had a daughter in the meantime. When my daughter was 18, she and I left and moved to Long Beach. So, we moved there, and I had remembered that back in the 70s, okay, okay, quick, I better hurry up. Anyway, I got to OA. I knew that OA was the solution. So, I went to OA, my first OA meeting on a Friday night. took me two years to get abstinent. So, I walked in the meeting. Finally, um, I just kept coming back those two years. It was really difficult um, because I couldn't get abstinent. Um, I didn't really want a real sponsor who was going to make me do anything. So um, so I'd ask people who I knew weren't going to, you know, it was just, I wasn't ready. You know, we're not ready. And the only thing I did right all these years was keep coming back. So by this point, I'm going through a divorce. I don't have a job. I'm 100 pounds overweight, drinking every day. That qualifies as unmanageable, right? So um, my life was completely unmanageable. So I found out where the OA meeting was there in Long Beach. I went. uh, After two years, there was one woman in the room losing weight. And I finally got the courage to say, uh, will you sponsor me? And she said, yes, I'll sponsor you. What are you going to eat? I said, I don't know. What do you eat? And that was a miracle because um, that I would do something that somebody else 
you know, was doing rather than having to run the show my way because that was working so well. And um, so she told me what she ate and the miracle, I ate what she ate. And um, she told me, call me every day. And I thought, forget even the food. Just calling somebody every day was going to be a miracle, you know. And But I did. I called my food into her for the first seven years of my abstinence. And so I lost 100 pounds, and um, it, it was a miracle, you know. Um, and so um, I did, I worked the steps. Uh, like I say, I've worked the steps many, many times in this program. Today, um, I have um, a really good life. Um, I go to, you know, other program meetings and other programs. Um, but... This is the solution, because when I got here, I thought the problem was my was the food. And so I learned, obviously, the problem wasn't the food. And um, I got a God of my understanding, thank God, um, which I really needed. About four years ago, actually about five years ago, I had worked for this company um, for 17 years in the outsourced our department. So there I was. Um, without a job, um, and so, and then I had some health problems, and I went through that, what they call the dark night of the soul, um, everything felt like it was falling apart, so I was forced to just rely on God, and thank God for that, and that's what I got in this program. Everything that works in my life today works because of this program and because of the principles of this program the thing and and my relationship with my higher power it's all God it really is God was there that surrendered me that day when I finally asked that woman what do you eat and she told me and and I ate what she ate and um so um anyway I'm just really grateful so I got through that period um that dark period and um, with this program and um, you know I have a job today after that Um, my daughter um, I have a granddaughter that's five and a half who I'm madly in love with and um, yeah I have great friends from this program Um, you know women that have 40 years of abstinence that I get to follow in their footsteps I'm so grateful for that Um, I'm just really grateful for this program. Like I say, it's given me everything. I know I'd be dead. I'm one of those people, I believe, that would have to be cut out of their house at the end of their lives. I mean, I know without this program, that's where I would be. Um, so, and I know I'd have all kinds of health problems. Am I supposed to stop early for questions? Okay. Well, anyway, I just want to say one more thing. This is life and death to me, this program. It's a deadly disease. This disease kills people just like drugs and alcohol. When I first got here, I was 45 years old, and I, uh, um, I was starting to have the minor problems from obesity. Um, and um, I know by now, uh, you know, I would have ended up probably three or 400 pounds overweight. And like I say, either dead or dying uh, from this disease. So... Um, anyway, I'm just really grateful for this program, and thank you again. Okay, does anybody have a question? Yeah. Um, I was wondering what um, turned you on to 
sponsor. Um, I, that's something that my sponsor and I kind of talked about, but I don't currently do it. I do a journal, and I just wanted to hear about your experience with turning it over to another person. Well, I still, I still, oh, sorry. What does it mean, turning my food over to another Or what does that help me? How does that help? So, um, I still commit my food every day. I just have a different sponsor. And there were periods there in within my abstinence after that seven years where I didn't commit my food every day. So it just helps me to turn it over, you know, to, to my higher power. It helps me to stay clear because I believe, for me, this is a disease of vagueness. Um, and it helps me to be honest with myself and another person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about your, like, how you feel your disease impacted your daughter and how you made amends? Oh, thank you. Yes. How, how did, did this disease impact my daughter and how did I make amends? Uh, well, it completely impacted my daughter. Um, I wasn't present. I was trying to control her all the time growing up. We had a terrible relationship. Uh, I just was never there for her. It was really, it's still painful for me when I look back at what it was like. Um, you know, so the only saving thing is that I do get to help other people going through similar, that went through similar situations with that. But my daughter, I have made amends to my daughter for the last 21 years. I, um, I made verbal amends to her. I make living amends. Everything she can do no wrong. Like, everything she does, I just think is the greatest thing. I tell her. That's great, honey. And I don't get in her business. Of course, my daughter moved 3,000 miles away, so that kind of tells you something. So, it's a little easier to um, not try to be in her business or and just love her, um, you know, with without question um, uh, when she's 3,000 miles away. But, yes, so that's how I've made amends to my dog. Mm-hmm. Yes? Um, you talked about diet and the yeah, so she asked about my food plan um, and how I stay abstinent without uh, restricting. Or, okay, so I'm not real clear. I know this restricting term is around a lot, and I'm not real clear on it, but um, that's why I have a food plan. So that takes all that thinking away. So I have a clear food plan with my sponsor. And um, so that's, I couldn't do it. I did, I, in the past, I tried sponsor, I tried sponsoring people who didn't want to have like a clear food plan. And they suffered so much. And I suffered listening to them. <laughs> so I finally would say, so I'm sorry, but it, I can't sponsor you without a clear food plan. It was, really, it was really painful for them. And so, yeah. So that's what works for me is to have a clear food plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
Yeah, my higher power. Oh, can I talk about my higher power and how I came into that relationship? So I was raised Catholic. I'm not one of those people that are mad at the Catholic Church. Well, I don't like everything they did, but you know, or do. But um, but it was fine. Uh, um, I never had that personal. I, I didn't have an idea of that personal relationship that I could have with my higher power. My higher power has changed so much since I got here. Um, all I know today is that I do not understand. I have a higher power not of my understanding. I don't understand my higher power, but I know I have one. And so I practice turning it over to my higher power today, which I don't understand. And I don't understand how my higher power works. I just know it works and that I am always taken care of. So, yeah, that's it. And my time is up. So, anyway, thank you.